Welcome to the Connect Hope Podcast, a podcast to encourage pastors and ministry leaders who are striving to make Jesus famous. Hey, welcome to the Connect Hope Podcast. This is Gene Jennings, and I am here with my buddy Chuck Gordon. Chuck, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Man. I'm excited. Yeah, I am too. <laughs> Man, our, our show last week, uh, I loved it, and we're going to continue talking about revivals and spiritual awakenings. Well, Gene, because you loved it, we're going to continue with that. That's oh, right. Good, good, good. <laughs> I did too. Uh, it's one of my uh, all-time favorite uh, topics or focus. I just I love to, to look back and see how God has worked in the past and and it's amazing to recount, again, just the, the mighty works of God. I think that's, to be honest, part of what God does to spark uh, in us a renewal, a desire, a hunger, a yearning for him to do that now and in the future. And try not to do it selfishly because, you know, let's be honest, I think there's all, for in all of us, there's a selfishness, a desire to see God at work. But um, what if we pray? What if we move forward uh, with our churches expectantly? Um, doing I mean, just seeing that God would do a work like He's done yeah. before, yeah. Um, and we that we set out and we're obedient uh, in such a way that man, what if God stepped up? And it, I think we talked about it before. Some of us approach life with, well, what if this happens and it's negative? Well, what if God shows up? And mm-hmm. that's where I, I guess how I want to live life yeah. and how I want us to be obedient to to the call of God in our lives. So, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you're right. That what a great. A great challenge. Uh, let's live life expecting God to move, expecting yeah. Him to bless, expecting Him to do phenomenal things, right? Definitely. How many of us really walk around thinking that? I, yeah. I confess yeah. I don't. You know? Anticipating. Yeah. So I think too many people walk in churches, oh, no, is he, is he going to run over again? Or <laughs> you know, are we going to miss our lunch appointment exactly. again? And what if they run too long? Well, yeah. what if God shows up and you don't have to worry about lunch? It's going <laughs> to <That's right. laughs> You won't want to worry yeah. about lunch. So anyway. Yeah. Well, kind of recap us um, from last time. We talked about the history of spiritual awakenings and revivals. Can you kind of, kind of recap last yep. week real quick, and then we'll kind of catch up. We did. We we were asking, you know, what is it going to take for an awakening revival to occur in our lifetime? And and we talked about the you know, first great awakening, which was you know 1735, et cetera, and the second great awakening, 1795. I think, Gene, that's around your birthday. But anyway, moving <laughs> forward. <laughs> So it's not it's not normal if we don't pick on each other. But I, I love what you were telling about, you know, and you can give a recap. The, in uh, 1857, uh, there was a lay-led revival. That, to me, is just I absolutely love yeah. what God did there. Um, yeah. yeah, that was the story of Jeremiah Lamphere. He was the layman that started this prayer revival in New York City in September of 1857, and it carried on into 1858 and, 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 and uh, in the years following that. And how that revival started in New York City, and uh, at one point over ten thousand businessmen were praying during the lunch hour every day there, yeah. and how that revival <clears throat> spread all the way to the West Coast, yeah. and it hit. They say it hit every major city in the country at some yeah. level, to even uh, Chicago, where Dwight L. Moody was saved is, and became a product of that revival. It, it's phenomenal to see that those things happened. And it wasn't because, as we talked about briefly last week, it wasn't, there was something that was manipulated and coerced and uh, they didn't have great production with it. Even going back to the first great awakening when Jonathan Edwards preached, you know, I love how you gave the description last week of him sitting there, you know, monotone. Boring. Yeah, boring. <laughs> and bo- boring reading a monotone you know, manuscript. And and souls were people were begging to be saved. Yeah, um, 
Yes. Crazy. Yeah. And, and that, only that's God, a, right? Yeah, that's only exactly. God. Well, we, I know we, where we left off last week was talking about the Jesus revolution and, and the fact that, that the center you are, you haven't seen the Jesus revolution movie. But anyway, <laughs> there's still time. So I don't know. But anyway, we'll go on with that. But just I, I love the fact, you know, the way that, um, you know, Chuck Smith talked about that society at the time, uh, it, it seemed basically to be about, you know, drugs circulated like candy mm. uh, where he was. And Chuck Smith, you know, was so repulsed by it. But uniquely, K. Smith was burdened. And uh, again and again, you know, Chuck recounted that, that she tearfully, and as I listened to him and, you know, tell about this in, in, in a, a video I watched, basically, uh, he, she tearfully and gently challenged her, her husband, uh, these people, geez, these hippies just need the Lord. They're dirty hippies. Um, is they, how he responded, they're dirty hippies. They need a bath is how he responded. And she's like, they need the Lord. And she was crying. And ultimately, um, you know, he'd see them roaming on the streets and wherever they were. Uh, he eventually, it, it led him to be crying because, you know, that's how she was. Mm. And ultimately it led to, again, this, this awakening, having Lonnie Frisbee was a part of it, Chuck Smith, et cetera. And though, you know, things weren't perfect and they were messed up people. And if you track the history of Lonnie Frisbee and everything, there are a lot of things that happened in his life that, you know, man, were not honoring to God, but somehow God still used Mm -hmm. him as part of sparking a movement. Same with Chuck Smith. Um, And it's phenomenal just to see. So I I think the movie is is excellent from that vantage point. It's not perfect, but man, it sure does give it a powerful. And I, dude, I got moved to tears multiple times, and and it wasn't because I had some bad popcorn. It was it was again (laughs) it was um, just seeing God at work and just hungering, hungering for God to do that um, in our lifetime. So when that movement also was beginning of contemporary Christian uh, music, Christian rock, that kind of thing, and also. Uh, the beginning of the contemporary church. Exactly. You know, Willow Creek Church, Saddleback, they, they were kind of the, I guess, the first ones to kind of go contemporary, and a lot of yeah. us modeled our churches after them and still do in some ways. Um, so that movement really affected the baby boomer generation and this whole contemporary church movement that, that we're experiencing now and so many churches, mine included, uh, here in 2023. Yeah. We're talking yeah. something that happened 50 years ago or, yeah. or, or more. And we're still products of that movement. Exactly. Before that, it really was, uh, if you think about it, uh, it really was pretty much a sin to even consider not having pews in a church. It was pretty <laughs> much a sin to not having a, a fixed pulpit. Um, yeah. and, and it's something somewhere, I, I, I still think, you know, somewhere at some time, somebody thought, this is a good idea. Let's put a pulpit here. Um, somewhere, sometimes somebody thought it's a good idea to have pews. And then all of a sudden, we, we somehow sanctified those and made those as part of our religious experience and is no longer, it, it, we shouldn't, we can't experience God without those. Mm. And so I think the beginning of the Jesus movement was almost a, what if we're not right? What if God wants to move without all of our fixed, fixed furniture? And Well, the thing about musical equipment, I mean, yeah. it, was, it was organ and piano and guitars. Yeah. You could play guitar for the youth group, yes, but no guitars yeah. on Sunday service. Yeah. That's not, that ain't going to happen, right? Yeah. Drums, drums? Yeah. You kidding? You I hear you. Have, you can't have drums in the youth group. I hear you. Acoustic guitar, okay. Drums, no. Because <laughs> they're not of God, even though they That's were. That's right. <laughs> but again, the goal of this is not the rip on on uh, I guess a traditional church, but it's also to say even with contemporary church, uh, any point in time where we make our practices as uh, 
that they are what's pleasing to God, that they, basically they're going to bring about revival. I think we're going to miss revival all over again. Even the current contemporary church, I think if we basically think that it's, it's all going to be because we've got to have a better production, we've got to have better lights, we've got to have better fog machine, huh. uh, we're, we're missing the, the mark. In, not that it can't be a part of it, just like an organ can be a part of God doing a mighty work. Um, you know, that can be a part, but that's not going to coerce God to come down. Right. And, and I think we miss the mark. So with that, it, it almost kind of sparks, you know, what are, um, I know you and I were talking about what are our marks of, of an awakening? What are those things that, um, uh, I guess, what are going to be those things that we find? And this is, this is a mark of when awakening is going to happen or, or it is happening. Yeah. So, well, Chuck, in my study of revival history and spiritual awakenings, um, there's really four characteristics of revival. If you look in the New Testament and the Old Testament, when God brings down His glory in a unique way, He does it. He does it suddenly and unexpectedly. Mm. Um, in fact, one mm. scholar said the revival is God springing a conviction. Excuse me. Revival is God springing a convicting surprise on His creation. Oh, that's good. And if you look that's at Acts good. chapter two, verse two, uh, where the the rushing mighty wind comes in. I've got it right here. I'll read yeah. it real quick. Yeah. But um, Acts 2.2 2 mm-hmm. says, uh, let me start at verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And then here's the key word, suddenly. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent mm-hmm. wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So, And then in, uh, in the Old Testament, that same word suddenly comes up in the, um, in the Hebrew language, of course, in the Old Testament, how God suddenly shows up, unexpectedly mm. shows up, even among religious people, even among people that wow. have been praying for it for, for years. Like we talked about Jeremiah Lamphere last week. Jeremiah yeah. Lamphere was praying for it, but even when it happened, he was surprised. Wow. You know, it wow. was sudden. Um, Charles Finney said that when God was moving in a community, there were times when strangers to spiritual events would instantly, instantly be convicted of sin and converted to Christ. So it's something that happened mm. suddenly and unexpectedly when God moves, and it happens not just to the religious, but to the, um, the irreligious. Yeah. Uh, in that same 1857 revival, I remember reading an account of how God's presence was so powerful mm-hmm. in some of these port cities in the Northeast that, that ships would come to port, and they felt the presence of God. In fact, one oh. ship, uh, the captain of the ship and his crew fell on their knees as their ship was coming into port. They just felt the presence of God in that city so strong. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine that? Yeah, yeah. That's just... Shh. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it gives me goosebumps just yeah. thinking about that. Y'all, but, uh, just even even sitting here, I know you, I know you can't see the smiles on, on Gene's in my face, but just the, I think, that, again, the hunger and the yearning I know we have for, for God to do it. God to have an awakening in our lifetime uh, to bring about revival like we've never seen. But, again, I know it's something that we can't coerce it, but when, yeah. it, when it comes, it, it's... Yeah. That, I love hearing about that. Yeah. Well, there, another characteristic of revival is really a combination of three things, and that's repentance and prayer mm. and unity. You know, repentance of our sin, understanding yep. our yep. sinfulness in God's eyes, uh, asking forgiveness, uh, begging forgiveness yep. of God yep. and, and our uh, those we've, we've sinned against. So there's that idea of repentance. Of course, you know, repentance is, is a yep. turning around, a 180 turnaround, a U-turn, so to speak, uh, turning away from mm. our sin, turning toward God. Um, and there's this um, urge to pray, this passion to pray, this necessity to pray. Yep. It's you know, it's just it's it's um, almost like being hungry. You know, yep. you have to be yep. hungry to pray. And then of course, when you do that, that brings unity. Yeah. And there's a unity involved, and 
Um, and that kind of leads to the third characteristic of revival, and that is it affects all people, all classes, all ages, yep, all races, yep. all socioeconomic levels. Yep. It's not confined to a certain class of people, but God gets everyone's attention when they repent, when they pray, when they're unified. God mm-hmm. gets everyone's attention, and wow. they're they're focused on what God's doing. I love hearing that. Yeah, and uh, and so that so the fourth characteristic of revival is is kind of again leads to from the third is just an overwhelming consciousness of God. Mm-hmm. Just wow. this overwhelming feeling, kind of mm-hmm. like the, the guys on the ship coming into mm-hmm. the sea. There's just overwhelming feeling and consciousness that God is moving, God's working. Yep. And everyone feels that. In fact, back to the book of Acts in Acts 2.43, it says everyone, not wow. just some, everyone was filled with awe. Wow. When you read mm-hmm. through the accounts of Acts chapter 2, <clears throat> everyone was filled, filled with awe. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Um, it's it's just an amazing thing. And like you said, we can't manufacture it. We certainly can pray for it. Yeah. We can hope for it. We can wish for it. We can talk about it. Yeah. We can podcast about it. We can write about it. Um, but really, it's up to God. Yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes we ask God, why why won't you move? Yeah. I mean, certainly yeah. you want to see people saved yeah. and move. And, and, uh, and it can be even a little frustrating yeah. sometimes to read about this and go, why can't God? Why can't we do that now? Yeah. Why can't this happen now? And, of course, I can't answer that question. Yeah. I don't think you can either. Uh, but it's certainly <clears> something <throat> we want to to strive for and pray for. Yeah, no to doubt. To get to that point. So I guess with that said, um, I know that, what are some things we, you know, what can we do? Un- again, understanding we can't make it happen, yeah, Chuck. Yeah, But what can we do? Well, I know even even just in, in recently, I know we talked about the movie, but very recently the Asbury Revival, uh, as it's been called, or movement, yeah. it's been called different things, though there was one in 1970, and, and but in 2023. Um, but just that, that time period, I think February 8th, is when things really started rocking and rolling. And uh, everything I heard, though there are different little components that occurred afterwards, it, so much of it, from what I understand, began with just confession of sin mm. and there being confession. And not that there wasn't some glorious, amazing preaching that happened before it, but it's really boils down to just what you mentioned, just there being a, a recognition of who we are before God. Just like going back to, and I just want to encourage again some of our listeners, if if you maybe do not consider yourself uh, this great and wonderful teacher-preacher, uh, again, if God can take Jonathan Edwards, hmm. you know, with Coke bottle, thick glasses, reading a manuscript in a monotone voice uh, to people in a candlelit room and people are begging to receive Christ and, and crying and weeping, um, he can use you. He hmm. can spend you. It's not so much about your presentation. It doesn't take us off the hook for knowing <laughs> our messages, um, it, but it does, it puts us on the hook for this, that uh, where is your heart and my heart in relationship pursuing Christ? Uh, years ago, and I don't know who originally came up with the illustration, but uh, a pastor friend of mine got on platform and he got a, a piece of chalk and he drew a circle and he kneeled down in that circle and he said, God, bring revival starting in this circle. Mm. And and as it was powerful, you know, did it in front of the church. And I know it was a dramatic moment at the same time, it was it was powerful to me. And and I believe that's where it begins. It's that awakening happening in, in your heart and mind. Um, are we confessing sin? You know, we, we all know, you know, First John 1, 9, if we confess with our sins, he's faithful and just, he confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, but I wonder how many of us, it's easy to preach that in a, in a message and to talk to other people, but are we honestly confessing our sin? Is there 
anything in us that is keeping us um, from the heart of God, that it's a wall between us, a barrier between us. Uh, what if awakening is about to begin, but it begins just with each one of us, if we press into that. And I say that with conviction of God, you know, I'm asking Holy Spirit, is there anything in me, any mm-hmm. wicked way in me? Um, I, I want God to reveal it. And you and I know, I mean, if we ask that, he's going to reveal it. Um, but I don't want uh, me to be a hindrance from God working around me. Right. Um, so, I, you know, in addition to those things, I think there's also a recognition. Um, and I guess, I guess a, um, a renewal, if you will, a revival of just being in God's Word, yeah, yeah. Of, uh, of taking God's <clears throat> Word as truth. Yep. Um, you know, I think sometimes we 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 look at God's Word and the Bible as good advice sometimes, or hey, that'd be a yeah. good idea yeah. if we did that, or <laughs> or you know, reading great dramatic stories like David and Goliath or Noah and the Ark, and we're teaching our kids that story, and it, so it's a storybook. But uh, revival also comes when. Um, you understand that this is the truth of God. This is the word of God. Yeah. Yep. And this is what his desire is for your life and taking that seriously. Yeah. No, that's, that's huge. I, I know some people uh, will even say that, you know, that, that um, scripture needs to be central um, in order for, you know, a revival awakening to happen. I believe it's true. I, you know, listening back with, you know, uh, some of the historical element of just the Jesus revolution when, when God was at work there. I love that, that Chuck Smith, again, though they're, Things I'm sure he did wrong and didn't do right, but one thing I know that I, I, I love reading is that Scripture was always central to everything he did. And uh, he would always teach uh, expositionally, just kind of walk through verse by verse by verse. Mm. And even just plain and simple teaching, and even just watching some recent recordings of when he taught, um, uh, he would just sit there very, you know, with a smile on his face, just walking through God's Word and, and quoting verses. He wasn't even looking at his Bible or notes, just quoting verses he knew uh, God's word mm. and and um again they're just being a hunger but also teaching the solution is not my opinion or this fat or this thing but it's let's go to God's word about what he wants to do and and so there was creating a hunger and so yeah I believe it's central but something I know you we were talking about earlier and you mentioned is true that uh, I don't think we can say that, yes there's public reading is so important and vital um but I know it's 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 something that uh you know, people that haven't always had access to God's right. word when God's done mighty things, though, right. um, it hasn't limited it. But at the same time, we do have access. I know that uh, even what you were saying just about, you know, for the first oh, thousand plus years. Yeah, the printing <laughs> press wasn't invented until, what, 1455? Yep, yep. And so... Um, that's when the Gutenberg Bible was, right, was printed. Right, Gutenberg Press. So, you know, for the first, say, 1,500 years of Christianity, you know, people didn't have a copy of the scriptures that they could drink coffee in the morning and read their devotions. Exactly. Um, and even after the printing press, a lot of people didn't have a copy of the Bible. If they did, they couldn't read it. They were yep. illiterate, right? Yeah. Um, so really just in the last, I don't know, maybe a couple, 150, a couple hundred yep. years, have we been able to, as individual Christians, have our own copy of the scriptures and read it on a regular basis? Yep. And even today, China. You yeah. know, uh, I've read, and you probably read accounts of uh, people in China. If, if they could get a copy of the Bible, yeah. they would tear and they would tear the pages out of it, and, and they would share the pages of that one Bible yeah. Yeah. with each other, and they would read mm-hmm. it, and then they would, you know, swap around, and yeah. I mean, just have the one Bible to share with a congregation or a group of believers. Yeah. So even today, there are places where the Bible is almost extinct. You know, yeah. Yeah. very hard to get to. So, um, is the Word of God important in revival and play a part? Of course, absolutely. Yeah. Um, can the Holy Spirit move among people? 
um, without them having their personal copy of a Ryrie study Bible or yeah. Thompson chain reference or whatever the popular study Bible is today. Yeah. Um, yes, he can move even without that. Um, and that, like I, I think I told you earlier off the air, that sounds a little heretical yeah. maybe. Um, but the truth is, like I said, most of Christian history, um, has been God working in different yeah, ways, exactly, uh, including his word and the public reading and preaching of his word. Um, but, um, yeah, so, and even today, like I said, in China, God moves um, even with the limitations yep. that they have there with Scripture. But but it's it's one of those elements that, though, you know, public declaration of God's Word, making it central is, is huge. Um, why would we not tap into it privately when we have access to it? Mm-hmm. Now, I get it, you know, hundreds of years ago, they didn't have it. Okay, that was, that was, they didn't have access. But why would we not want to take advantage of the opportunity God gives us right. to, you know, I, I believe it's... Um, it's kind of like not eating, not drinking. We're, we're continually fasting and we're wondering why we're not getting better. We're not right. getting healthy, but yet we're fasting from God's word. That, that That's something I believe mentally, psychologically, spiritually wrong with that kind of expression. But yeah. yeah, definitely making scripture central. And we already talked about, you know, genuine repentance. You know, that's huge uh, that, that you and I are, especially leaders uh, that we're making sure, and, it, and it's not making some public declaration just to try to impress people, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I've seen pastors do that in the past too. It's I know there's a call sometimes that we need to bring it out before the body, but for some of us, it's just, man, get real before God in, your, in private and with your spouse and with your, mm-hmm. your family. And if God leads you to do it with your leaders, your elders, your deacons, whatever, uh, but then, um, then from there, I, it, it seems to be just leading our bodies to actively obey if we're obeying. Mm. And for some of us, it's, it's going to mean we need to step up um, in something we have been holding off on. And I'm, I'm already praying, what's that for me? Um, some of us, it means stepping out. Maybe we are, need to step into a church we've been holding off or step out of a church or, yeah. or step into a ministry. Or, or, um, uh, that, that's huge. Um, anyway. Yeah, I think, you know, and one of the final aspects of spiritual renewal is just remembering your salvation. Yeah. I mean, I know for yeah. me, um, honestly, Chuck, almost every day, one of the first things I think about when I'm, yeah. when I'm with the Lord is my salvation. That was mm. a long time ago. Yeah. You know how yeah. you know how long ago that was. <laughs> it was actually 45 years ago. Um, That's wild. Love uh, it. Love I just it. shared my story uh, with a couple of people earlier this week. Um, so I, I go back to that a lot. And... Um, just remembering where I came from, um, what God saved me from. I just sometimes I think about how different my life would be if I didn't have Jesus. Yeah. And one of my favorite movies, probably my favorite movie of all time, is the Christmas movie. It's a Wonderful Life. Oh well, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I'm sure most everybody listening is familiar with the movie. If you haven't seen it every year, um, and my wife laughs at me because I cry at the end of the movie oh, every, oh, all the time. <laughs> but uh, if you don't know. Remember the movie, George Bailey is played by Jimmy Stewart. He gets to see uh, an angel allows him to see what the world would be like if he had never been born. And it was a completely different world. And how George Bailey, just that one little life that he lived, made such a huge difference. And sometimes I go back and I think, uh, uh, what would what would my life be like today Yeah, yeah. if I hadn't uh, become a Christ follower 45 years yeah. ago? I, I would probably be an alcoholic because I was on the way. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, I definitely wouldn't be married to my wife because yeah. she wouldn't have me any other way. <laughs> I mean, that was her first criteria was she's going to marry still, a Christian still man. still a pretty close call right it's, now. Well, there are days. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, I definitely wouldn't be married and therefore wouldn't have my kids. You know, it, just, it snowballs when yeah, you start yeah, thinking yeah. about how different my life would yeah. be without Jesus. And so for me, going back and remembering my salvation, that is helpful mm. when it comes That's to good. spiritual renewal and revival is just going back to our roots, so to speak. Yeah. And where we are with Jesus. Wow. No, that's that's huge. I'm I'm so glad you shared that, Ashley. I do love this wonderful life. That is so that's emotional to me too, just to think about that. Um, but you know, where would I be? I, I, I hate to think about where I could be. But I believe sometimes for some of us we need to go back there because mm-hmm. we need to see how incredible it is. Um, that God has, has done this. I, I believe for some of us, if, if we're honest, we can look at our life and we feel like, well, this doesn't amount to a whole lot. Um, but maybe this will kind of give it a little different reference. Something we did last night, we got our tax returns back. We had, you know, our CPA has already done it and all. Yeah. So, um, but one of the unique things, and this is going to maybe sound goofy to some of y'all, we looked at our, our federal uh, income tax and we're actually going to get back $23. All right, we're getting back 23 Now, here's the deal. To us, to, to my bride and I, Jennifer, um, we were absolutely stoked about that. And you're like, that's only 23 bucks. <laughs> but the reason we're stoked about it is because we don't owe anything. All right? Yeah. I know for some, it's like, well, you're not getting back however much, you know, like thousands or whatever. It's like, dude, I'm just stoked we, we're not in debt. And I, I believe get, it's the same with, it. yeah. to me, it's, it's the same with salvation. Some, some of us, <laughs> I believe, look at our life and it's like, well, this ha- has only happened in my life. I haven't seen a whole lot. It's like, dude, just realize where it could have been. Um, I, I, to me, it's believe what debt you could be paying on yeah. is what is kind of the frame of reference I'm mm-hmm. going with there. I just see, you know, how much God has done that that we're debt free uh, in Christ. That you know, we we have this thing forgiven, and I I wonder how many more messages, how many more sermons would actually uh, be much more than reading a manuscript with Coke bottle glasses. Mm-hmm if we just recognize the mighty work God's done in our life. Uh, I wonder how, how uh, if awakening will start in some churches around this area, maybe in some homes, if we start recognizing uh, the great debt that, that has been paid for us. And we really get back to just the basics, exactly what you're yeah. saying, just the very basics that Jesus Christ loves us, man. He saved us, mm. um, though we do not deserve one one ounce of it. Yep. So, Amen and amen. Well, Chuck, this has been really fun. Um, I appreciate you sharing time with us and and talking about revival and spiritual awakenings. Um, We're going to wrap it up, but uh, tell us a little bit bit about Connect Hope before we go. Yeah, we would love for you to uh, get in touch with us any way we can minister to you, serve you. Uh, Connect Hope is all about encouraging pastors, uniting ministries, and resourcing kingdom work. Uh, we're all about investing in ministry leaders and senior pastors and, and ministers, period. And so in uh, any way can we be here for you, please uh, go to our website at connecthope.org and uh, you can make an appointment, a phone call, um, or uh, we'll meet up for breakfast, lunch, whatever, in uh, my treat. And uh, we would absolutely love to pour into you, invest in you. And the main thing I want to see is you thriving, your relationship with Christ. After that, your family. Then after that, ministry, whatever you're mm. a part of. Uh, we just want to see you thriving. We also, uh, for investing in those leaders, we have a roundtable coming up May 4th. That's a Thursday morning. Uh, we'll have more details to come if you contact us. We'll get that information to you. And um, again, let us know if there's any way we can be here for you. I'd love to hear from some of y'all. Just you can contact on our website. Let us know maybe revival you've seen happening, something God's doing, working in your life. 
it'd be incredible uh, to hear about yeah. that. But before we close out, I will mention, if you haven't gone to Amazon, uh, look up Gene Jennings, The God Robbers. Um, he wrote a book about, again, revival and a very unique angle. And um, man, would love to see you tap into that. Again, Gene Jennings, The God Robbers. And I hope that'll bless you as well. Thanks so much for joining us. We're so honored. All right. Hey, thank you, Chuck. And thanks for joining us on the Connect Hope podcast. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening today. If today's podcast hit home with you, we hope you'll share it with other ministry leaders. If there's any way we can be here for you, please contact us at connecthope.org. Until next time, let's make Jesus famous. Thank you.